Hello and welcome to another Use of Force. This is week 26 of our walks for our Natural Manhattan Walk. The corresponding Use of Force instance occurred in the Inwood section of Manhattan in 2010. I'm going to read it now. On October 3rd, at approximately 5.45 hours, in the confines of the 34th Precinct, 10 uniformed officers responded to a radio run for a violent, emotionally disturbed person. A male Hispanic subject had called 911 and stated, I'm ready to kill some cops right now. Get them. I'll be right here. As they converged on the location, they observed the subject with a black knife in his hand. Maintaining cover behind parked cars, the officers surrounded the subject and issued orders to drop the knife, which the subject ignored. The subject made threatening statements and acted belligerently. A sergeant on scene deployed a conducted energy device, but it was ineffective and the subject was able to pull the prongs from his body. At this time, the subject began to move and the sergeant on scene instructed the officers to move with him while maintaining a proper zone of safety. Two officers, however, found themselves backed against a parked vehicle as the subject abruptly changed direction and advanced upon them while swinging the knife. With no means of escape available, the two officers discharged their firearms, five rounds and four rounds respectively. The subject was struck multiple times and succumbed to his injuries. The subject had an arrest history for crimes including reckless endangerment and drug sales, and was on federal probation for heroin trafficking at the time of the incident. So the person that was killed in this incident was named Emmanuel Polino. He was 24 years old. And in reading about this, there actually weren't a ton of different articles, but there were enough to get a little bit more information. And they basically all said uh, the same thing. It sounds like Emmanuel was, got into an argument with his girlfriend early that morning and that led him to calling 911. I guess he was just very angry and upset. And as it said in the use of force, he called 911 and said that he was going to, he wanted to kill some cops. And I, I'm going to read the transcript of the 911 call. It's, it's pretty short. It's the operator answers and says, 911 operator, where is your emergency? Emmanuel says, yeah, I want you to call the cops because I'm ready to kill. Operator, what? Emmanuel, I'm ready to kill some cops right now. Operator, you're ready to kill some cops? Where are you? Emmanuel, yeah, 121 Vermilia, New York. I'm right here outside. Operator, okay, so what's going on there? Emmanuel, yeah, I'm ready to kill cops right now. Operator, oh, okay. Emmanuel, okay, yeah, get him. I'm inaudible. I'll be right here. 
And the reason I wanted to read that is because I've been looking at suicide by cop protocol. It doesn't look like New York has any that is public, but I've been reading the LA protocol. And one of the main things that it talks about is preparing for the event. So the dispatcher and the police and the sergeant should always be involved and they should get as much information as possible about what's going on and if there's a weapon they should get there fairly quickly if there's a firearm they should get there the quickest if it's a lesser deadly weapon then you know they can take a little bit of extra time but basically making sure that they're maintaining their own safety as well as maintaining the safety of the person that is having an emotional issue mm -hmm. and then it's really clear on using communication as the best course of action and as the main thing to focus on. So we have that transcript from the 911 call and then most of the reporting also mentioned that Emmanuel Paulino's relatives were there, his cousin was there and was talking with the police, pleading with the police to let him talk to his cousin saying that he could calm him down that he knew what would calm him down and you know according to reports allegedly the police wouldn't allow him to be involved and wouldn't want to talk with him so i guess i'm i'm bringing up the la pd protocol for suicide by cop because it seems to really outline so clearly how important it is to de-escalate and use conversation and learn as much as you possibly can about the suicidal person from both them and their family or any friends or anyone that might be around. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like from the report that they were trying to keep the safety distance and not sort of crowd him. And the, the zone of safety. Yeah. Yeah. But it also seems like they weren't using the, the instruction to calm him down with every other possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like there maybe could have been more work done on the dispatch side of things. However, I don't know how often the dispatcher is being asked or is, if the dispatcher is even trained in mitigation practices. You know, typically if you're calling for assistance, I would imagine... Yeah, it's just not common for the dispatcher to be somebody that has to 
gather the type of information that or or engage in a in a way that could help with this situation yeah it's it's interesting i would never have thought that that person would have um any sort of major role in something like this i also think of it as more just sort of someone that moves the call around but in this protocol from the LAPD there's bullet points for the dispatchers it says dispatchers should work with responding officers to share information yeah what does the police department know about prior calls to this address? What is known about the person who called 911? What is known about the potentially suicidal person? If possible, dispatchers should connect the responding officers to the 911 caller who may be a relative or friend of the suicidal person. Of course, in this instance, the 911 caller was the suicidal person, so that sort of leaves that bullet point out, but it is interesting. I've, I've never really thought about protocol for these dispatchers, but it makes sense. Yeah. There's, there's much more in here too, actually, for like keywords and phrases that the dispatcher should listen to to mark it as a suicide by cop potential, and, yeah, and how they can. Quote make the difference between life and death in suicide by cop incidents. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense if they're routinely dealing with crises of any kind that they would have training to that be commensurate with it. It, I mean, we don't know if the call that we have the transcript for is reflective of the training or not. Right. It would it would seem not, but it also it doesn't really isn't doing anything that's inflammatory necessarily. It's just no, taking I the agree. information. Right. And were there family um, post post killing of Emmanuel? Were there um, was there a follow up from the family? A little bit. So I mentioned that uh, Emmanuel Polino's cousin said that he had told police he could calm Polino down, right. but instead they they wouldn't let him do that, and they drew their weapons. There's reporting that the city council member that represents that district held a press conference and that Emmanuel Polino's mother was there with him and um, that she was, you know, next to him at the press conference crying. But there aren't any quotes from her. There's some, a quote from a family member that says he was shot because of excessive force. This is from his cousin as well. He was a good kid, a humble kid. He didn't deserve this. And there's, in the reporting, there's also other witnesses that outside of the family that say that he wasn't lunging, that he was pacing back and forth and pacing in circles with the knife. Yeah. Which to me makes a difference. I, you know, it's, we've talked about this so many times, like things happen so quickly. Yeah. And I'm sure it's challenging when dealing with 
someone with any type of weapon. But I do think that makes a difference. Yeah. So there's a quote from the police commissioner at the time, Kelly, saying they told him to drop the knife. We have nine witnesses that saw officers telling him to drop the knife. A sergeant fired the taser and it had no effect. The deceased took the darts out of his chest and he then proceeded to go across the street with the knife. So when I first read that, that also sort of, I think when we've been reading about a lot of these incidents and from, you know, watching anything that has police in it or hearing about how police are supposed to act or how they do act, the demands to do things are so common. Like if someone has a weapon, they say, drop the weapon, put your hands up, keep your hands on where I can see them, things like that. Again, reading this document from the LAPD is so informative because it's very specific talking about how to speak to people that are having an emotional crisis to never give an order, but rather to ask questions one at a time, to only have one person speaking to the person, like have a leader from the police force that can speak to the person and be the person that is having conversation and to always ask as a question. So instead of telling him to drop the knife, saying, could you drop the knife for us? And like that would have had a better potential to calm things down. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to me that, you know, this is from 2010, so I don't know if maybe since then there has been some different ways of speaking about this or different protocol. Like I said, I couldn't find it when I was researching this from the NYPD, but I do think that's really important and to see that the commissioner at the time sort of used that as an excuse in a way, like to say that they did everything they could when it directly goes against what the other big city knows to be the way to handle these situations. I think it sort of speaks to how little we as citizens typically understand and also to why these protocols I think should be made public. It not only helps me understand what the police should be doing and how they should be handling different types of situations, but I also feel like it, you know, it gives me an understanding of just how to engage with people. If I were to come across someone that might need help at some point. Yeah. I think it's also interesting relative to the idea that he had a fight with his girlfriend earlier in the day to think about what suicide by cop means and how it's not necessarily a narrow context. I, I mean, it, it could be somebody that's depressed and doesn't want to live anymore and they can't bring themselves to, to self-harm 
it could also be somebody that's looking to prove that they're distressed and don't know how to articulate it otherwise mm-hmm. and are using the police as a, a means of creating a, a big scene in order to prove that this is the level of distress that they're feeling. And really it should be just taken as an umbrella term for, you know, a person accessing a a lethal situation. Right. And again, I'm going to reference this protocol that I found where it, it speaks to, similarly to what you just said, it speaks to two main types of suicide by cop, planned versus spontaneous. And the planned is what you were saying, you know, someone who might be thinking about suicide and decides that they want to die and doesn't feel like they want to do that themselves and so uses uh, suicide by proxy. And then the other is spontaneous, and this is when the subject was not thinking about committing suicide by cop, but decides to do so spontaneously. And this could be, like you said, have to do with some other emotional issues that they're facing that they need to act out in this way. Or it also sometimes, I guess, has to do with how the police respond to a situation like if they show up and are just speaking it might not cause someone to to spontaneously think about this but if they show up and they're pointing their firearm it presents an opportunity for someone to start thinking about suicide by cop because it's right there in front of them yeah so i don't think there's much more reporting on this specific case. This protocol that I found, I only got through three quarters of it. It's really long and I plan to read the whole thing. And um, I think it's sending, possibly sending me down a path of more learning about this because I think a lot of the incidents actually that we've talked about have to do with someone that is labeled as an emotionally disturbed person and could potentially fit into this category of suicide by cop. And I don't think it's something that's often talked about in the reporting unless it's really, really clear like this incident. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to see based on following the LAPD's understanding how much these cases moving forward fall into their definition. Right. Okay, well, that closes our episode for the week. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.